As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Better up! Welcome to No Bunts. The podcast for the casual baseball fan here on the Athletic Baseball Show. I'm Tass Mellis in studio in Atlanta, and with me as always, making the magic happen, it's super producer JD. Hello. What's up, JD? What's up? And with us all season long, my co-host, he's in Taiwan. It's Joel McMillan. What's up, Joel? Tass, good morning. It's an early morning for you. It, it is. <laughs> it is. Yeah, we, we decided to get up a little bit earlier. We're going to jump in... Uh, watch some basketball world cup action after this i wanted to get it in early and yeah we talked joel and i we talked uh early 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 this morning for me evening for you uh, i was on my morning jog and uh we did a little production meeting wow yeah. we did yeah it's, it's pretty awesome <laughs> so how'd that work like you were just on your headphones and Yes. Wow. Yes. Yes, sir. Was he breathing in your face, Joel? Like, <sighs> yeah. You, you tell me, Joel. Was it? There were there were some heavy breathing moments, Tess. I'm not going to lie, but you know, you you were running in the uh, Georgia heat, so you know, I'm going to give you a pass. Yeah, uh, I may have been uh, stumbling upon a possum or something. It was super dark out there. I didn't see much, so maybe it was. <laughs> Uh, maybe I was tripping as I was talking, uh, but yeah, my uh, my wife said to me last night as uh, as we we're going to bed, she goes, "We got to do something about the bags under your eyes." Oh, and I man. said, "I said you wait till tomorrow. Oh, wait till tomorrow. <laughs> I'll be bagging it." But uh, maybe it's because I've been watching a, I've been watching a lot of baseball this week, Joel. We've had a fantastic week. Things are yeah. happening. We had a list ready to go. The top five things that happened in baseball this week. Then the Astros happened. And we told you, the Astros-Rangers-Mariners race atop the AL West is something to watch in September. Then the Rangers and Astros got together starting on Monday night. They've been through two games. And we just have to touch on this briefly before we get to our list because Jose Altuve is doing some things. First, in the first game, he went back-to-back with Mauricio Dubon twice, sixth inning and the ninth inning. Houston won 13 to 6. And then in the second game, in his first three at bats, in the first, second, and third inning, Altuve hit bomb after bomb after bomb. He hit three bombs in the first three innings. Tough start for Nathan Ivaldi, but Al- Altuve, 
five homers in two games, four homers in four straight plate appearances. That doesn't happen too often. That's only happened three times before him. Um, uh, So Altuve is the fourth player in MLB history to hit three homers in the first three innings of a game. He joins Manny Machado, Mike Cameron, and Carl Reynolds, and he hit five homers and six plate appearances. Those are the stats, I want to say. Five homers and six plate appearances. Fourth player to do that, along with Manny Ramirez, Sean Green, and Josh Hamilton. A week after hitting the cycle at Altuve on fire, they win that game 14-1. And now with the Mariners lost, the Astros took sole possession atop the AL West for the first time this season because the Rangers had it all year. Joel, you picked the Astros Way back when, way back, I remember when we discussed this show, the beginning of No Buts, beginning of this season, people were saying, oh, the Rangers are jumping out uh, ahead, and the Astros were struggling, but you said, just wait, just wait. And now here in September, for the first time, they have taken the lead. So now you go for your morning run. You go for your morning trot, as we <laughs> applaud you, uh, as, as you, as you've predicted that this has happened, but what an incredible race in the AL West. Yeah, kind of came out of nowhere. Seattle had that crazy run. You know, they've kind of cooled off recently. The AL West is certainly exciting. It's all just kind of been a perfect storm, you know, with Texas fading very, very quickly. Just a, just a couple notes about the Rangers here, Tass. Um, their bullpen has really been struggling since August 16th. Their bullpen has an ERA of 5.92, which is the worst in the majors. And their starters have an ERA of 4.61. And then when you combine that, their offense has an 87 weighted runs created. Plus, it's no surprise that the Rangers have fallen as uh, as far as they have. And Houston's just turning it on. Uh, I'm not really surprised by, by what Houston's doing. I am surprised to see Texas falter so much because we talked about them a couple weeks ago. And statistically, according to the uh, Pythagorean record, uh, they were the unluckiest team and here they are, you know, still struggling. So they really need to pull it together. They've got a huge series against Toronto coming up and that could determine who gets that wild card spot. But the AL West is just totally up for grabs and it's just really exciting to see because, you know, a month ago, I don't think really anyone expected this. I certainly didn't expect this. I thought the Mariners might be a six seed at best. And here we are, all three teams are within a game or two of each other. Really exciting September baseball. You got to love it. Last week you said the Jays weren't going to make it. No, they may, they might make it here, Joel. You got you to bring it down. Oh. After I, I propped you up with the Astros prediction, got to bring you down here. Uh, the yeah, Jays are on the precipice here as as the Rangers falter. Just an incredible series that wraps up tonight with a great matchup. Former teammates just mere months ago, Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer going at in game three of the Mets and Astros series. Hello. Uh, That's great stuff. Great stuff for Jose Altuve. Love that dude. Um, And yeah, this final month, we talked about the the five must-watch storylines here to end the season. The Mariners and Rangers play each other seven more times, including a four-game set to wrap up the season. And the Astros still have three more with Seattle. So it's not done uh, by any means. This Mm -hmm. is going to be a very entertaining 3.5 weeks, excuse me, as we uh, look forward uh, to the rest of the season. Looking forward to the rest of the show. Uh, uh, Besides those five things that we're going to talk about, we're going to have some laughs looking at some baseball cards. And and we got to talk about Trout and Alonzo that 
potentially could be on the move, the possibility of those transactions. But first, let's get into the five best things in baseball from the past week. Speaking of series that delivered, Braves-Dodgers. My goodness. Two best teams in the NL going at it over the weekend. A four-game set. Two MVP candidates going at it. And those two dudes both delivering uh, in game one, Acuna versus Betts. Acuna let off the game with the single. Second inning, he comes up with the bases loaded and rocks it. Hits a grand slam, giving him his 30th jack of the season, making him the first 30-homer, 60-stolen baseman. That was his 30th home run. Strider had a good start uh, for the Braves. He wasn't healthy last year in the playoffs. Let's remember that. Anyways, the Braves go up 6-1, but Mookie Betts and L.A. respond. Betts hits two homers the rest of that game. Doesn't matter. The Braves win 8-7. And uh, just a little note that Ronald Acuna, before Thursday's opening game of this series, got married in the L.A. area, and nobody knew about it until he got to the park. That's impressive stuff. He didn't tell his teammates didn't tell anybody really. Uh, I, I was just more flabbergasted by the 3060. Okay. Very, very impressive. But also keeping a marriage under wraps. I was surprised by that, Joel. Yeah. That was a feel good <laughs> story. Uh, it yeah, was a feel good story. What, and, and what a, and, you know, what better way to celebrate than uh, take three or four from the Dodgers? Um, that series was awesome. I watched the game on Thursday night. It was such a back and forth game. You know, the Braves got out to a big lead. The Dodgers clawed back. They had a chance to win late. Um, it definitely had a playoff feel like all four games, but in saying that, I think the Braves clearly showed that they were the better team task. They were pretty much in control. Most of the series. I know they won a game in extra innings, but I think there's clearly a tier of talent between both teams. And, Mm. you know, if these teams meet in October, my money's on the Braves for sure. Yeah, the Braves had struggled uh, with L.A. over the past decade or so. Winning this series means that they won the season series for the first time in a decade over L.A. They've got now a, a real tight grip on home field advantage throughout the entire playoffs. They could meet again in the postseason, which would be the fourth time in six years that these two teams uh, meet. But just to quickly summarize what Acuna did, he had another homer in Game 2, and he also had another stolen base. Max Fried, great start in that game. And then Game 3, he had a rocket of a home run, 121.2 miles per hour, so third homer in three games. 121.2 miles per hour, only two homers have been hit harder since StatCast started tracking them in 2015, both from Giancarlo Stanton, just a a touch faster at 121.3. And it was a 19-degree angle homer. If we're going to get – you you, you dropped the Pythagoras a little earlier in the show. You want to talk angles. uh, You want to talk math. (laughs) It was a 19-degree angle shot. A true rocket. Okay, not a true rocket, but as as rockety as you can get in baseball, 19 degrees. And then uh, that was the game that – the Braves won in uh, extra innings. Orlando Arcia hit a three-run jack in extra innings. So they won the first three games. And uh, Mookie Betts, um, even though he had two homers in the first game, he kind of went cold after the, the the first game. He went 0 for 7 over the next couple nights. He had three hits in the lone win for L.A. on Sunday night when they, they scrapped to a win. But, uh, yeah, Betts, Acuna, 
Acuna won the battle in that series. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt. But just to summarize Mookie Betts' numbers, uh, and I got this from our man David O'Brien uh, at The Athletic, his August, it's kind of hard to wrap your head around. He won Player of the Month because he hit 455 with 51 hits in a month, Joel. Uh, that's... That's ridiculous. That's unreal. Yeah, so he he really jumped into this this race that we thought Acuna had wrapped up, and he jumped into it, and we said this is something to watch for the rest of of the season, uh, as Acuna you know put a ring on it and then walked into the park on Thursday. I mean, he set the tone, and, and Betts responded, but Acuna just kept going and kept going. Three homers, three straight games, but uh, yeah, Betts Betts. Really deserves to be there. 1355 OPS uh, over the month of August with 11 homers. He has been so hot. So this series, I, I would like to think that we will get it uh, in October. And it just it feels to me, maybe maybe as a casual fan, like it's going to be more exciting than either of these teams if they were to go on to the World Series and face somebody else. So do you, do you share that sentiment with me as... Uh, I see. I see your snarl coming, but I think the Braves Dodgers series would be more exciting than Braves anybody or Dodgers anybody in the World Series. Do you disagree with that? Yeah, I I, I do disagree. We we've seen Dodgers and Braves the past couple of years, like you mentioned a couple of minutes ago. They've been entertaining series for sure, but I, like the Dodgers to me aren't the second best team in the league, and you know I always want to see the best teams play each other. I think everyone does. Uh, I think, you know, the Braves versus the Orioles, the Braves versus the Rays or the Braves versus the Astros and potential World Series matchups would be more exciting just because I think they're more evenly matched. And I, I just think the Braves, if if they played the Dodgers right now, I don't think it would be that competitive of a series. You know, the Dodgers lost Julio Urias earlier this week with some domestic issues. Who knows how long he's going to be out? That's a huge blow walker bueller we don't know when he's coming back so the dodgers just you know have kind of had a bit of bad luck lately and then they had this bad series i i don't know how entertaining that would be and really to be honest tass like please, if we're talking please nationally, be honest <laughs> okay i'm gonna be honest right now i think like to me as a fan i'd rather see the the phillies and the braves play uh divisional rivals huge rivalry Phillies beat them last year. I think they match up better. I think that would be a super exciting series. So for me, I think that's better bang for your buck as a fan. But mm. you know, if we get Braves and Dodgers, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hate it. But I think there's better matchups out there. Fair. Uh, I th- I will be in attendance for a Braves Phillies game uh, two weeks today. The Phillies come to town, in Atlanta. The Atlanta has uh, dropped a couple here um, since that incredible series of going out west uh not only in la but a very very successful road trip yeah la now uh clearly the the second best team there were only four there was four games separating them before that series started so there was a possibility that la would shrink that gap that obviously didn't happen and uh yeah the orioles as far as records go the number two team in all of baseball and uh yeah, the Los Angeles Dodgers are number three at this point. So that can always uh, bounce around, of course. You mentioned Julio Arias. He has been arrested on suspicion of felony domestic violence. Dodgers starter currently not with the team. And it's not the first time he had 
been arrested on suspicion of domestic battery also happened in 2019 when he received a 20-game suspension, although he was not charged. All right, moving on. The second best thing that's happened in baseball this week for us, it's also Astros-related, but it's basically something that happened off the field. An absolute classic interview with the fan. Uh, (laughs) So glorious. Uh, Yankees visiting Houston. Sunday night baseball on ESPN and Jordan Alvarez lifted a ball into left field. It was veering into foul territory. A fan reached over the wall and almost made a play on it, hit his hand and it fell. And it was ruled fan interference uh, because it looked like Everson Pereira was going to catch it. So he kind of hurt his own team. The fan hurt his hometown team there. Would Pereira have caught it? Maybe. Uh, either way, it was ruled and out. ESPN tracked down the fan for an interview. And it was so good, we're going to reenact it for you. You may ask, can't you just play it? Well, no. And also, it's not as fun. Uh, <laughs> so uh, let's have a little fun. I'll play the fan. His name is Maurice. And Joel will play ESPN's Buster Olney. Okay. So tell us about that play and how it developed. So pretty much, I'm out here with my son. This is our first ever game. We just moved here to Houston, literally in January, and I just wanted to make the moment special for him. As a father, I feel like it's my job to make sure I give him the best moments. I apologize to the Astros organization. I didn't know. Y'all got to understand. When it's dropping down, it looks like it's coming directly to you. So I reached, and my body went for what I know. But we did have a wonderful moment. Okay. So you reach out. What was the reaction that you heard right after the play was over? The reaction was shock, disgust, happiness, sweat, a little bit of lust, baby. I was in there feeling kind of hurt. My fingers still shaking a little bit. The ball is way heavier with the gravity. I'm not going to lie to you. Looks at his son. We're going to be on TV, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Great job, J.D. Great job, son. So it looked like you went away for a bit. How did you make your way back? Uh, yeah, he, he. I guess he wouldn't talk to security. That, that's that's where he went away. Anyway, so so <laughs> let me jump back into character. So truthfully, Houston loves me, and I love Houston. They cannot stop me from supporting the asteroids. <laughs> Is that a thing? No. Sorry to break. No, yeah, okay. I, I was wondering what I watched. I looked that. it up. <laughs> There's, there's, it's not a thing, and and, and I, I always see for like Astro is, it's not short for asteroids. Right. It's not the no. team name has never been no. asteroids. Anyways, uh, so truthfully, Houston loves me and I love Houston. They cannot stop me from supporting the asteroids. So what happened was I almost had to give them a bop, bop, bop real quick on them, but they wasn't listening. So I chose to love and they let me come back. They really was just trying to make sure that I wasn't hurt and that we didn't go off the rails. So salute to the organization, great staff. They made sure that I was healthy and I was enjoying the game. They wasn't even being serious, or they wasn't even making it serious. And scene. <laughs> Whew. Um, yeah, incredible interview. You nailed it. Uh, you nailed that, Tess. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the Asteroids thing. Uh, yeah, they used to, yeah, way back when, you know, they had another name, uh, a Colt 45, and then they decided at some point, we got to go Astros. But that's just, 
That's just astronomy, baby. It has nothing to do with asteroids. <laughs> <laughs> so is he a real fan? I mean, come on now. He was wearing a Casey Royals hat. I was going to say, yeah, he was wearing a Royals hat during the interview, too. <laughs> Phenomenal. Uh, so good. Yeah. Just great. Um, yeah, so go watch that interview. Uh, but I, we just needed to do it. Yeah, I, I just love that guy. I absolutely love that guy. Um, in that series... I know I don't really want to talk about the Yankees because they're donezo this season, but they have some bright spots. As bright as a star, as bright as an asteroid. Uh, so let's let's just comment on that really quickly because he came out shining. Jason Dominguez specifically, highly anticipated outfielder prospect in his first game, batting fifth, starting in center field, no nerves. Top one, he's facing Justin Verlander in his first at-bat ever. First pitch, Took a strike. Second pitch, his first major league swing. And he goes, oppo. Oppo taco uh, for a home run. That's a grown-up move right there from Jason Dominguez. Two homers in that series as well. His first series, uh, he is uh, dubbed the Martian for his out-of-this-world physical tool set. Um, And in 2024, just to make a little connection to the old basketball world, the Martian will likely be playing every day for the Yankees, I'm guessing, uh, as will the alien, Victor Wembanyama, for the San Antonio Spurs. So, somebody jump on that. Uh, Maybe our friend Maurice uh, will jump on that. I don't know. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) the Yankees also called up catcher prospect Austin Wells. He played all weekend versus the Astros. He debuted Friday, too, roped a single in his first at-bat, called a great series from behind the plate as the Yankees swept the Astros. The Yanks are down right now, but how do you see their future with Dominguez Wells and Anthony Volpe looking the way they do, Joel? Yeah, this was, you know, I mean, if you're a Yankees fan, I think you got to be pretty encouraged. I mean, they don't really have much to play for at this point. They're more or less out of it. But, you know, obviously they have that huge rivalry with Houston and to go into their stadium and and sweep them, you know, while Houston is in a in a pennant race is huge. But yeah, I mean, all those players, you said they looked very good. And Tass, listen, like we've said this before, like I feel like the Yankees just have the same issue every year. They just run into a bunch of injuries and it just kind of derails their season. You know, they lost judge for a couple months this year, really hurt them. Uh, you know, Cortez has been out. They've, they've lost a couple of their pitchers. Rodon was hurt most of the first half. And then when he came back, he didn't look that great. Although he's pitched better recently, the Yankees just struggle to stay healthy, but Tass, this is a good team. And then when you're adding in these young players, they're, I, I think they're going to be a very, very competitive team next year. But again, like it just, it's a matter of staying healthy. They still definitely have holes, especially at the corner infield positions. I think Rizzo's best days are behind them. And, you know, third base has been an issue for them. You know, the past couple of years, Donaldson didn't really live up to the hype and he's on the Brewers now. Uh, that's a position of weakness for them. Kiner Falefa is kind of a utility guy. But, you know, with, uh, you know, Torres, you know, they've got some good young players in the infield. I like this team. I actually like this roster. They just need to stay healthy at this point. But going in next year, I expect them to be competing for a playoff spot. But if you're a Yankees fan, you got to like what you see with these young players. Totally. Uh, Considering how rocky this season has been having to cut Josh Donaldson, and they've now shut down Anthony Rizzo for the rest of the season with the the post-concussion protocol. Wild year. Wild year. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, so let's jump off the field here for a sec. Number three are best five things in baseball. Just just an interesting uh, turn of events with Anaheim. It has nothing to do with Shohei Otani. Mike Trout plans to talk to the Angels front office about the future of this team. According to the OC Register, Trout is going to sit down this offseason with the front office. He signed through 2030. Just as a reminder, he's in the midst of a 12-year deal. He just completed or is completing year five of that big money contract. And of course, his teammate Shohei is the bigger offseason story, but Trout making himself a story. Could he be traded, Joel? Is that possible? And any sort of idea what that trade would look like? Uh, I mean, you know, nothing. nothing's impossible. Like every player is, is tradable, uh, in my opinion. Uh, the awkward we need to talk text uh, just sound like it's about to drop with a trout to angels management. But listen, I mean, like I haven't made my feelings hidden about the angels. I think they're one of the worst run franchises in the league. It's terrible what they've pretty much ruined the primes of trout and Otani. They have the 28th best farm system right now. And when they made, you know, those trades at the deadline, they traded away four of their top 30 prospects, including two top five prospects for four rentals. And already two of those rentals are playing on other teams. Man, that's a bad look. And the Angels just don't have a good team on the field. There's no really internal help coming. You know, Trout's in his early 30s. It's basically going to be like a full rebuild at this point. And so... If you're Trout, if you're Anaheim, I think you need to sit down and have this kind of awkward conversation and say, listen, you know, like, do you want to move? Like, do you want to stay here? What would a trade realistically look like? Trout's value isn't obviously what it once was. He's still uber talented when he's healthy and when he's on the field. I think he's a top three position player still, but he's owed a whack of money and he hasn't played a full season since 2016. So that's obviously going to affect his value. I don't know what a trade would look like. I don't even want to begin to to speculate. Yeah, I respect but, you. I respect you for not speculating. Okay. But <laughs> I, I mean, there's obviously, you know, like a couple, I mean, you know, we could sit here and make a case for a bunch of teams going after him, but I just can't see him because the angels need desperately need prospects at this point. And trout would still net a bevy of of prospects and and you know probably at least two top 10 prospects from a team and that's what they need now because i mean a, a full rebuild would probably take 
four to five years in baseball. And if that timeline matches up, Trout would be 36, 37 at that point, well past his prime. Who knows how healthy he would be at that point. Is that something he wants to do? I don't know. I mean, I know he loves Anaheim. He obviously signed that extension. And another thing that complicates this two tasks is he's owed a ton of money. If he gets moved, there's no way a team is going to pick up the full freight on that. Anaheim's going to have to kick in a substantial amount of money. So it's not an easy deal that would, it's not an easy deal to get done. But trust me, there's teams that would be jumping at the chance to get it if it makes sense and if the money's right. But I hope he gets traded uh, because, you know, we've talked about him at length, I feel. He just needs to be in the playoffs. Like, I want to see him in October, and it's just not going to happen in Anaheim, and it's not going to happen anytime soon. Yeah, I find that as a interesting as a, a casual baseball fan that both parts are true if there was a, a trade for Mike Trout that he would garner a bevy of prospects, but also that the angels would have to pay up the salary, whatever chunk of that salary is owed, you know, some portion of that salary that's owed to him. Um, Cause they just seem like contradictory thoughts, uh, contradictory ideas, uh, but he is signed for a long time. Uh, he, you know, would be uh, at, at, in 2030, you know, in his late thirties and, who knows how he holds up physically uh, because things have been uh, different the last couple of years than when he actually signed the deal for him physically. Um, so it seems more like a, hey, let's actually talk type of text rather than we're breaking up. It doesn't seem as definitive as that. Uh, so hopefully, um, you know, they can figure things out. But as you said, uh, if he does go and there's a chance for him to win, um, it, it, you know, like we've, we've talked about the Mets and, and we'll get to that. Um, they're looking at more of a retool rather than a tear the thing down. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it is a tear the thing down, Mike Trout just wants to know, and he doesn't want to be a part of that. It sure. Seems like. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't blame him and the angels aren't going to be competitive at all anytime soon. Like I hope that he goes to Philadelphia. That's where he's from. I know he's a passionate Eagles fan. I know he's from New Jersey. He's an East Coast guy. Uh, I would love to see him go back to Philadelphia. I originally thought he was going to sign there. Uh, and then he you know, signed that big extension with the Angels. But it would be great to see him on the East Coast and get more exposure and be playing on a contender. But you know, going into this season, the Angels have the eighth highest payroll and they're on the verge of their eighth straight losing season. I, I mean, the, like, that's just awful. You know, they have to have more to show for it than that. And in all likelihood, Otani's going to walk. So, you know, I hope it works out for both sides, but specifically more so for Trout. Yeah, and, and Trout obviously saw that they went and made a lot of moves at the deadline going for it, but then they cut bait. <laughs> Trout, pun intended. Uh, when they <laughs> let go of six players... Um, just before uh, the September deadline to save money and to, yeah, quite frankly, you know, tank the rest of the season and uh, yeah. and potentially get more back for Otani because of a uh, because of the number that they could get to in terms of salary, they would get a higher draft pick if Otani does leave. Um, but just a quick question: you said 
he is from the Philadelphia area and the Jersey area. You said so. Is is he from one or the other, or is he from both? Or he's from I want to say Millbank, New Jersey, okay, which is Southern New Jersey. So, so I know a lot of people from Southern Jersey are Philly fans. Okay, uh, so yeah. Um, yeah, let, let, bring him to the East Coast. He he belongs there. He he belongs in prime time, not uh, a ten o'clock game. You know, getting beat seven to one. No, we need him on the East Coast. <laughs> I love how you're in Taiwan, but you're you're adopting exactly the way I think. Um, I'm an East Coaster. East Coast bias. Here. We had this conversation, Tess. Yes. East Coast time zones, the ultimate time zone. The ultimate time zone, no doubt. Uh, I'm gonna put you on the spot real quick. Just because I, you know, I'm not over the years, I haven't been in the baseball sort of tra- potential transactions, you know, month in and month out. But it sure feels like we're getting a lot more potential unhappy players than usual, like potential deals than usual. It just feels that way. Maybe it's, there, I mean, there's not a ton. We'll get to the Mets. Obviously, Otani is. is quite prominent he would just be leaving as a free agent but it just feels like there's more superstars who could be moving than usual or is that just is that just me not reading it right well i'm curious like what are you like what are you basing that on like can can you name a player two specifically like because none come like other than like you know trout and this is just very like we're gonna sit down and and talk like I can't think of any players off the top of my head. Well, what, you... a, what about Scherzer, um, the Scherzer and Verlander oh, okay, scenario? Yeah. yeah, I mean, players who are slightly unhappy. I guess we're not talking the 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 total cream of the crop when we're talking about Verlander, but obviously a Hall of Famer at the end of his career. But yeah, that that type of yeah unhappiness with front office. I guess I guess the answer is no because it, it feels like to you that there's. There's not a lot of players asking out, and and I mean, there's yeah. I was gonna go to the Padres situation. Like, there's you know, a, I guess more uh, more speculation that the Padres could go the route of turning around and, and trading Juan Soto um, potentially, just because they're not doing all that well. But he has still has control for a couple of years. Yeah, it just feels like there's a little bit more, but maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Um, maybe I'm speaking specifically uh, about the Mets and that that scenario because otherwise, looking up and down the league, there there aren't too many of them. Yeah, I think Verlander and Scherzer was a unique case because the Mets were expected to contend this year, and they're veteran guys. You know, they're paid a ton of money. I think the Mets wanted to do right by them and say, listen. Like, I, I think they approached them and kind of talked to them. And Scherzer had said, too, like, I forget what specifically what happened, but I think what Cohen said to him kind of like, you know, I don't know how competitive we're going to be next year. And that was kind of the the thing that said Scherzer said, OK, you know, make make this deal. He's at the end of his career and he wants to be competing for a championship. And so I think those were kind of unique cases. All right. Well, Scherzer, yes, said that he talked to the Mets front office, and mm-hmm. they said they implied that next year is going to be a rebuilding year in 2024, and in 2025 we yeah. could be going for it, but more likely than not in 2026 is what Scherzer said that the front office said to him. And that brings us to our, our next point here in the top five things in baseball this week. The New York Mets, Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic said, yeah, sure, 
Uh, Max Scherzer said that about a couple years down the road, but there's a Japanese pitching superstar who would fit their timeline and that Steve Cohen could go after. Yoshinobu Yamamoto, likely to be posted and signed by an MLB team this offseason. He is a superstar in Japan, and he's far younger than the Verlander and Scherzers uh, that the Mets acquired the last couple years. He's 25, and he won the MVP and the Japanese equivalent to the Cy Young the last two years, and he could do it again this year. And uh, Rosenthal wrote about it on The Athletic right now. Great deal. If you want to get a subscription to The Athletic, a buck a month, uh, the best sports writing in the world, theathletic.com slash no dunks if you want that. Um, And you wrote about it, Joel, on an Instagram post on our no bunts account, no underscore bunts a while back. Um, So kudos to you. Uh, You're our... Asian scout, obviously, uh, you're, you're <laughs> all over it. Um, and, uh, yeah, as Ken pointed out, there's lots of connections with the Mets and Yamamoto. So is it a given, forget about the Mets, but just Yamamoto potentially coming stateside next season? Is that a given? Uh, I think so. I mean, he's just dominating the Japanese league at this point. He's definitely going to get paid if he gets posted and his team's going to get a nice little payoff as well. Uh, He's a number one guy, I feel, on a decent amount of teams in MLB. It'll be interesting to see what he gets. Um, Just for a point of reference, speaking about the Mets, Kodai Senga signed for five years, $75 million, which was actually surprising to me. I thought he would actually get more money given his age and his talent. Uh, but like you said, Yamamoto is actually five years younger, a very, very, very decorated career. If I had to guess, I would probably say he gets anywhere from six to seven years, at probably around $20 million per season. So that puts him between like 120, 140 million. That might be a steep price to pay for someone who's never thrown a pitch in major league baseball. But in recent years, we've seen these Japanese pitchers come over and just really flourish and succeed. Uh, Darvish, Otani, just to name a few. Senga's had a great first year in New York. I know that's only three, but, you know, Japan is just great at producing uh, MLB pitchers, I feel like. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes. I read an article. There were 10 teams uh, who were scouting his last start in Japan. Any every team needs starting pitching. Uh, he won't be cheap. If I had to bet, I would say Boston, just because they've got the resources to do it. And the Red Sox, I think, need starting pitching. They're a good team, but a num a true number one ace, kind of like Yamamoto, would definitely make them a much better team. So I'm gonna say Boston, and I'm gonna say 140 million for six years or seven years. All right. I like the prediction. Uh, let, let me just note that. You said it on <laughs> September 6th, about uh, 35 minutes into this program of recordings. I just, I just got to write that down. Uh, you know, we could use that clip no a little bit later on. But let's stick with the Mets uh, because there was some news around them. See? See, everybody wants out, Joel. I'm telling you, everybody wants out. Uh, no, the, the fifth point that we're getting to here is that Pete Alonzo, was almost a Milwaukee brewer at the deadline. 
while the Mets were dealing Scherzer and Verlander, you know, they're doing some retooling, a far younger player in Alonzo was in trade discussions, involved in trade discussions, according to Ken Rosenthal uh, on The Athletic this week. He wrote about it, extremely tapped in Rosenthal, a lot of sources uh, mentioning that Alonzo and the Brewers were somewhat close uh, to a deal. And obviously Alonzo, on a different timeline than those guys that they dealt. Um, But he doesn't seem to be untouchable. He signed through next season, um, but could be a free agent after 2024. He'll be 30 years old then. Is 30 too old for Steve Cohen as he's deciding where this team goes? Uh, That's the question. So I'll throw it over to you. Will the Mets move Alonzo this offseason? I think it makes sense for the Mets to move him given kind of the youth movement that they've pivoted towards, you know, with getting rid of Scherzer and Verlander and Pham and a couple of other guys at the deadline. And I think it's, I, I think it's a smart move to make, even if they are paying the salary of some of those guys, I can't see the Mets being even remotely competitive in a stacked national league East. I mean, the Braves aren't going anywhere. The Phillies are stacked. The Marlins seem like a team that's on the rise. And even the Nats, you know, like some of those young players are really starting to play very well. And I think they're going to be a very competitive team. So I can't really see the Mets being competitive. I know there are some talented players on that team. So if that's the case, you know, uh, Alonzo is he's going to go to arbitration. He's got one more year of team control before he becomes a free agent after next year. I say move them, you know, because like, what are you going to do? Keep them and not really compete. Like to me, it doesn't make sense. I'm sure the Mets will have discussions with him this off season and sit down. Uh, apparently they've offered him a contract, but it wasn't, you know, to Alonzo in their camp. They didn't really uh, care for it too much, but that's not to say a deal can't get done. But Tess, I feel that if a deal is going to get done, Alonzo would look really good on the Giants to me. I feel the Giants are a solid team. They went after Correa. They went after Judge, struck out both times. Well, Correa, they kind of dodged a bullet with the health thing. Judge, I feel, was never really seriously in play. But if you put Alonzo's bat, the Giants just lack offense. Um, you know, they they're do. in the bottom, they're in the bottom third in slugging, they're in the bottom third in home runs. You're putting one of the best, you're putting an elite power hitter in the middle of that lineup. I think it changes the dynamic of that team and it makes the Giants a much more competitive team. Does it put them first in the NL West? No, but they're definitely going to be a playoff team and they're a fringe playoff team right now. And, you know, all you need to do is get to October and anything can happen. I think Alonzo to the Giants for next year makes sense. And I think the Mets should seriously entertain it. Yeah, the Giants um, would definitely, definitely jump up a level with Pete Alonso. They're just they're lacking, as you said, uh, in a bunch of offensive categories, including RISP, which is my favorite uh, to say. It runs in scoring position. They just stink. They are not clutch. Um, and yeah, written about on the Athletic this week how they ran into this week, as you said, a borderline playoff team, but then they got uh, pumped on Monday by the Cubs in a shutout because they can't hit. Um, And so they're struggling. uh, There's no doubt. Uh, And then they lose uh, again on Tuesday. Again, um, just one run put on the board. So, yes, would Alonzo look good? Of course. But why do you keep Alonzo? 
He could be a legend. Uh, that's why you keep him. Uh, but um, I guess it's a, if you if they are dedicated and they are looking to this timeline, which is a few years out, Alonzo would be in his early 30s. Uh, but he is going to be an incredible player for another team through his 30s if you trade him. Uh, he's that good. Uh, he He's still, uh, yes, a, a first baseman. Um, but at the same time, He's putting up 40 homers every year. He's got he's hitting 42 this year and uh, 40 last year, 37 the year before that, and 53 as a rook. So, yeah, he you know he's he's a, he will be on the older side if you're looking at those two timelines. But who knows? Um, so it's it's all about, I guess who knows? Uh, Steve Cohen knows if he's dedicated to making the Mets. Uh, a team now or in the future they are making moves uh i read this article by tim Britton and will salmon on the athletic about that they finally opened a pitcher's lab at their spring training complex something that other teams have done years and years and years ago even steve cohen said that that we're just years behind teams in the arm arms race and understanding everything about pitching uh they're looking to hire david stearns as president of baseball operations potentially uh, so shaking up the front office shaking up the way they do things yeah but if they're saying that we're not going to be a contender next year then Alonzo could be on the move uh, so interesting stuff I'm telling you everybody wants to move um, but uh, unless yeah Pete Alonzo gets a deal and maybe maybe he will uh, all right so those are the five best things in baseball this week If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Now it's time for a little baseball story time. Yeah, we were talking, Joel, offline, pre-run, pre-all that, uh, a few days ago about what we're going to do on this show. And you brought up a a great ESPN article about a baseball card, about a a well-known baseball card because of the picture the actual 
pose that the baseball player in the picture had, Keith Comstock. <laughs> and we're looking at it here if you're joining us on YouTube. Join us on the Athletic Baseball Show. You can you can find the video of our show here. Uh, and the picture is of Comstock in his 30s. And that's uh, important to the story because he, he bounced around a bit, the minors and the majors. And when he went back to the minors in his 30s, he thought he had, you know, a little bit of uh, a little bit of gravitas in the game, and he said he was tired of taking the old photos, just the old standard. Oh yeah, here's me doing nothing, holding the ball, or I'll act like I'm balancing and I'm, you know, gonna throw a pitch, or I'll have my arm extended and I just release pitch. I'm done with that. So what he did was great, great write up on on ESPN. This is from years back. He super glued a ball to his pants. In the crotch area, and uh, and he knew that the photographer wouldn't go for it, um, but he rallied the troops. He, he rallied the rest of his Las Vegas Stars minor league teammates, and he said, okay, the photographer is not going to go for my idea, but if you all say that you're not going to take the photo unless he takes my photo, then I got a shot, and it worked. The photographer saw what he was doing, and he said, no chance. I'm taking a photo of you with a ball attached to your groin. Uh, and Comstock's idea was, it's a comebacker coming at me. Come on, it's a great photo. Photographer said, no chance. And he said, listen, all the guys will not take their photos. Go ask them unless you take mine. He said, okay, fine. Uh, he, he, he bailed. Uh, and and uh, what we have is a very quick photo. According to Comstock, there was like one snap taken. And he just makes this face like he is... Yeah, taking a comebacker right in the groin. And uh, you wanted to talk about this this photo, Joel, and we'll get to some other baseball cards. But, yeah, great recollection because I had totally forgotten about that story. Yeah, it was yeah a great article, like you said. And he really had a lot of fun with it, and people still recognize him and come up, and they have uh, cards that they want him to sign. And, you know, glad that he didn't really take himself too seriously. And, yeah, just an absolutely – hilarious card and a hilarious idea i love it yeah he had bounced around uh, a little bit um and he was excited to get his first major league card and uh i guess yeah he was a little older and he just dgas he didn't give a shit uh so yeah <laughs> he said i'm done I'm done. Yeah, he he literally said there's there's only three poses with these minor league photographers, and, and I went through them: the balance position, the one where you extend your arm, and and the one where you're standing ball and glove, just hanging out, uh, doing nothing. So he said he was done with that. Great creativity, JD. Do you appreciate the um, yeah the the director of photography there that was Keith Comstock making that happen? I mean, not really. Because- oh. oh. Well, no, I I love the bit. Okay. I love his commitment to the bit. Yes. I just don't like that the photographer wasn't into it. Like, uh, lighten up, guy. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah. the pose is fine, but it, you could have really, he could have gone for it if he only had one take. It's great. Uh-huh. But, you know, and a hostile photographer to boot. But, I mean, it's an, it's a, it's my favorite baseball card of all time now, honestly. <laughs> um, so what would have made it? better oh, i think if he was doubled over the positioning of the ball is not great either it's mm. like clearly not hitting him in the where it would actually hurt you know like <laughs> yeah it's close it's it's veering to the side it's, yeah uh, yeah yeah 
but you know, still, it's fine. And super glue. I mean, they didn't have like duct tape back then, or yeah. uh, uh, it seems a little extreme to super glue a baseball to your the crotch of your pants. Yeah, I think it wasn't sticking. Mm. Uh, I think. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. They talked about it on the article. They tried. He tried several different substances, <laughs> and the the ball just kept falling off. And wow. so they finally settled on super glue like pitchers used it to heal up their blisters and uh yeah that's what they had to do love it yeah it's uh yeah from the 80s i do believe the early 80s yeah hearing that super glue was what they used to remedy their blisters that's uh well it was invented for the battlefield to close wounds yeah so there you go in the thank you for the history lesson i didn't realize that uh the 80s though (laughs) <laughs> yeah you're right uh no, it was invented before the 80s yo i know i know yeah. i know but they're still doing it in the 80s the 80s just feels like yesterday but you know what it's a freaking long time ago yeah yeah uh, it's like an episode of the nick you know that's that's what that's what <laughs> totally it, that's what it feels like um Thanks. all right yeah, there's like five shows that i reference because those are the only ones I, i've watched in my life the nick being one of them um okay that got us thinking about some funny cards uh, just other hilarious cards, and I'm going to go through some of the funniest baseball cards that I have. I thought I had more cards going into this. I, I got to say, not not to belittle the hilariousness of the cards I have, but I guess I'm all grown up, uh, and I got <laughs> rid of a bunch of them. I totally forgotten that I, I I just I'd lost the the stock, the Keith Comstock that I used to have. Mm. Uh, just dropped part of it. I only kept the my full sets. That's all I, I really have. But I'm I'm almost convinced that I, I have them somewhere. Um, but I went, this is mainly the 1990 Upper Deck set that I pulled some from. And uh, luckily, friend of the program, Kelly Dwyer, after he was on No Bunts last year, he sent me some uh, that I pulled some randoms from. Mm-hmm. And because it's from Kelly Dwyer, of course, they're hilarious. Uh, so for the audio <laughs> listener, I will describe them as best I can. So the first one we have here is Rick Honeycutt, A's reliever. I always remember this card because he's signing autographs and the shot is from below him and looking up at him as he's looking down, signing a pad of paper, and he's got these huge Hollywood sunglasses on. <laughs> Humongous uh, sunglasses. So he truly looks like a, a movie star. You know, if if you told me this, this could be him in like... Uh, you know, Moneyball or something like he looks like he's he's a movie star. <laughs> totally. Any recollection of this this card, this Honeycut card, Joel? And he's got a great name, so that that also adds to it. Yeah, I was gonna say I love yeah Rick Honeycut, classic '80s player, classic '80s baseball name. I I love that card, Tass. Yeah, he looks like uh, just a classic baseball superstar. That angle's kind of weird, uh-huh. but uh, I actually dig it and. I don't think Rick Honeycutt would like, I mean, he was an okay player, um, but like, yeah, this, this one makes him look like an absolute superstar <laughs> signing all these autographs here, but uh, yeah, yeah. Totally. and it's, and, and like, it's weird because like a lot of these cards, there's just random poses and everything. Like, I don't know what the photographer was thinking. Like, did he just take this randomly or did he, plan this out and say okay rick we want you to wear these hollywood glasses and pretend you're signing autographs he's like no problem justin's i'm on it and then just kind of did it i don't know but either way it works and uh yeah he looks like a million bucks on this card yeah as a kid i thought he was a superstar just because of this photo 
Uh, <laughs> other, otherwise, yeah, he was, yeah, he's a reliever, did his thing, played played for a long time, uh, as far as I remember. Um, yeah, yeah, more of an '80s guy, but yeah, as uh, yeah, well, he started as well. Okay, moving on. Here's a Danny Darwin card for you. Um, nice. Is, this is all about the hat for me. So tall. A huge hat. <laughs> huge hat. You could fit an asteroid under that hat. It is so, <laughs> so big. Yeah, I had that joke planned for sure. Um, anyway, it's all about the hat. It's just, yeah, I guess the 80s were a different time. It's this is similar to the Comstock uh, situation for me. I thought they had moved on to regular hats, but mm-hmm. um, this is a 1990 upper deck set, and... Yeah, it looks, I mean, it looks like he could be in the military with this hat. Uh, you know, besides like the big H on it and, and the star on it, the the style of hat, and maybe it's Danny also wearing a, sporting the mustache, but yeah, it just, it's old, it screams old and, <laughs> uh, and the stripes uh, along the shoulders. Yeah, it's, it's more, yeah. it's less, less about, you know, Danny Darwin and just more about the, uh, the kit that he's wearing. I love that old Astros logo in the bottom left corner there with the orange uh, and then the the dome. Um, yeah. But yeah, Danny Darwin looks like a stone cold killer in this photo. <laughs> I'm sure he's a nice gentleman in real life, but uh, I would not want to cross that man uh, in a dark alley late at night. That dude looks like he's got uh, some stories to tell, but uh, I love the card and I like the, I like the litter of name, Danny Darwin. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Also part of it, because uh, yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think he was selected also because of the name. We got a Darwin, we got a Honeycut, and then we have an Eddie Murray, also you know a legend in Eddie Murray. <laughs> um, just hilarious in that this used to be a thing that players would wear their hats right under their batting helmet. Yeah, mm-hmm. happened a lot, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, just because the batting helmet technology wasn't there, they needed to, to snug it up. <laughs> So they they put their hat on underneath, and he's got the curls. Uh, that wasn't doing it for him yeah. enough. He uh, he needed a hat, and then I think he had the the double ear flap as well. We're just seeing some one side of his helmet, but I assumed he had a double ear flap. Um, unless I'm wrong, maybe not. Maybe he 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 was a lefty. <laughs> it's so not even not. covering his ear. Like, <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, it's so tall on his head. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, and there's no strap either, right? No, no straps. Strapless. Yeah, I think this may be a break and play. He may just be chilling because I think I think there's a donut on his bat. Yeah, I think he's just swinging. Um, But yeah, I just wanted to note that uh, (laughs) legendary Eddie Murray. And here's a Tim Raines pose. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, Eddie Murray never aged. Um, He played for I feel like a hundred teams, and he played like I feel like into the mid to late '90s. He played over several decades but just the man is timeless he did not age at all no stuck around forever next one tim Raines. this is all about the pose if you're <laughs> an audio listener what he's doing is leaning on his bat as in you know the barrel the top of the bat he's he's sitting and just just full-on lean uh pure cuteness they went uh, to glamour shots that year to get their baseball <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Shot. Yes. Um, <laughs> with a classic Expos hat and a huge armband with the Expos logo oh, on it as massive. well. Massive. Yeah. 
Just I like, feel like that's a that looks like a grad photo from like 1978. <laughs> like for you know, I played on the junior varsity baseball team, and this one's for mom. Totally. Just a cute little pose. <laughs> yeah, I think Keith Comstock would have loved this pose. Like this is this is a little different. Um, yeah, great stuff. As I as I read comments here from the Bleacher Creatures, Tony Herrera says hat on a hat for Eddie Murray. Uh, <laughs> Great stuff. Chipping in here. All right. Uh, this one, there's nothing weird about this, but Montreal Expos rookie threats card, Delino DeShields, Marquise Grissom, and Larry Walker. Oh. Bring a team back to Montreal. Look what you did. Yes. Look what you did. This team could have been great. Um, we got to talk about the strike situation, the 30th anniversary next year. Uh, that's ridiculous that this Expos team, they could have won it all. Um, and there's some young prospects, a lot of talent, obviously, right there on that card. The rookie threats card. That's all I want to say. In the classic, classic blue Expos jerseys. Yeah, I like those. I like those group pictures. I haven't purchased a pack of baseball cards in forever, but uh, I like those group shots. Or sometimes they'd be called Young Guns, or you know, they'd give them some cool little tagline at the bottom but yeah rookie threats but they got to put it in french too man they they gotta add both but i don't know how to say rookie i don't know how to say rookie threats in french so i'll i'll leave it at that can you take a guess for us if not even close oh man okay well either way i'm gonna buy you a pack of cards i i've i've got a dealer uh for my cards uh this next card Jose Batista. That's not Jose Batista. That's not the Jose <laughs> that Batista guy? we know. That's an Orioles hurler. Um, and that's all. That's just a pure name card joke. Number <laughs> number eight of the 1990 Upper Deck set. This is number eight. Sick uh, jacket. Pretty sick jacket. Yeah. 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 Very- and if I'm not mistaken, there was, I don't know for how many years they did it, but all of the MLB players would have their own jacket and they would put their names on the back man they looked slick i wish they would bring those back they look so good huh. yeah good call I, I always remember them as nothing on the back but uh they they had them in, no in, in, the, in the 80s they definitely like they their jackets they had their names on the back man they look good all right bring them back bring, mlb bring them back um next one here Shout out to our man, Kelly Dwyer. These are more for the names than anything. This is an old uh, 1983 card that that Kelly sent. Mickey Klutz. That's his name. Uh, K-L-U-T-T-S. It's not Klutz? It's possible. It is possible. I did not look up the pronunciation. Uh, But, you know, Klutz. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to ruin it by looking it up. Uh, his name, though, is Gene Ellis Klutz. I don't care if it's Klutz or Klutz, but uh, yeah, on the back it's, it's his full name, but I guess he went by Mickey, Mickey Klutz. So just a, a fantastic name. Also got the, the double hat combo mm-hmm. as he steps up to play for the uh, the Oakland A's. Next time, Tass, next time I break a dish, I'm going to go, oh, man, I'm such a Mickey Klutz. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, great stuff. Okay, next one here. I don't know what's going on here. This is uh, also from our man, Kelly Dwyer. A more recent card. It's Lance Berkman, but 
the name on the card is Big Puma. Does he go by Big Puma? Is that his nickname? I didn't Joe? know that. W- I didn't know that was his nickname. That that's uh, that's weird because Manoa. That's Alex Manoa's nickname. Alec Manoa's nickname is Big Puma. Uh huh. So I didn't know Berkman had the same one. <sighs> yeah, he doesn't strike me as a Puma. Uh, yeah, same. Uh, yeah, uh, Alec Manoa. <laughs> you know, on the hill, it, it's sort of like a pitcher kind of thing. I, I I feel like you know he kind of the arms sprawl out. There's a little more. More cat-like stuff happening. Yeah. Big Puma. I thought this was an error card, but maybe that's his nickname. Um, I also didn't look it up. Yeah, that was his nickname, says Chris Franklin, uh, the the Bleacher Creatures. Yeah, that was his nickname. Weird. Doesn't seem What's no with idea. the background on that one? Like, the border? Oh, yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. Yeah, that's... What year is this? It's 21. Really? Yeah. It's hideous. Don Ross. Thanks. Coming like back it. to play. Um, in, in 2021, <laughs> I got all those reds. Remember the, all the, the red borders for the Donruss, the old Donruss that's, you know, way back. Mm. Um, and what maybe we'll do, uh, an off season show where we do more baseball cards. I know Joel wanted to show his, uh, his card, uh, of him, uh, stepping up to the, his doing his glamour shot. <laughs> you vetoed. You vetoed it. Tess. You vetoed it. You said a future episode. I was like, "You'll get in." That man. hurts. That I hurts. I, I think it's too soon. You know, it's only thirty years old. I think we got to do it like a fifty-year-old <laughs> okay. episode. No, no. Maybe we'll do one in the off-season. Uh, okay. Another name one here, John Walkenfuss. Uh, just a great name. Just so many letters in that name. Born Johnny Bilton Walkenfuss. Walkenfuss. W O C K. What nationality is that? Is that Dutch? German? It's yeah, that's what I would guess. But Wackenfuss. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, oh, nice. Thank you for the pronunciation that we have no idea <laughs> have is no, correct no or not. No clue. <laughs> uh, just a great name. Way back. I know Kelly sent a few of these just because of these great names. And last card here. It's not even a card. Look at that thing. It's like a coaster almost. Yeah, but oh, tiny, Chris tiny Sabo. coaster. Yeah. The glasses. A classic Chris Sabo and his goggles. The Cincinnati Reds, the early 90s. Now, it's almost the size of a pog, mm. uh, those things, but uh, bigger, a little bigger. It's like, yeah, not not even close to a coaster, but uh, I don't mean it's the diameter or the of uh, – I don't know. I don't even know what to call this. What's on JD. his neck? Yeah, mm. what is that? Is that like I, a? I think it just may be an imperfection in the mm, pod, okay, in okay, the okay. in the card pog pog card, whatever this thing is called. Um, let me let me take it quickly. Let me let me take it off the stand. <laughs> yeah, I think there's just a blemish um, on the card. Yeah, mm. it's uh, so. How big is this? Is this end of my nose? Yeah, yeah. it's uh, like half a coaster. Half a coaster. Agreed. Um, so there's, this is number two of 24, I guess they, they released 24, uh, sponsored by genuine King B quality meat snacks. So I don't know, (laughs) whatever, whatever those are. Uh, but that was fun. Tess, I got a, I'm going to put you on the spot with a little trivia here. Speaking of baseball cards, Tess, can you name five (laughs) baseball card brands? Well, can I name the ones that we just uh, we just went through? Is that allowed? 
Okay, sure. yeah, of course I get it. Donruss, Upper Deck, Panini, Fanatics, Opeachy, which is probably doesn't exist. Tops, um, Pro Set, Parkhurst. That's enough. Okay, yeah. no one likes to show off tasks. Just fine. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's that's pretty yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah. That's, there's. That's um, good. You missed Bowman. I missed Bowman. Bowman. Pinnacle. I didn't say Pinnacle. Yeah, you're right. Leaf. Leaf, baby. Well, you stopped me because you said I was a cocky asshole. So, uh, no, I respect your knowledge. Thank you. Um, yeah, and I think I may have been uh, veering into some more well-known hockey brands. Like ProSet did both, but mm. uh, Parkhurst, you remember that? I mean, that's uh, I don't think they exist anymore. That was more hockey, I think. They had a Parkhurst Emerald. Was were some of the special ones? Um, I guess Opeachy doesn't exist anymore. But uh, well, Tess, let me ask you another trivia yeah, question. Okay. And Mister, I know all about baseball cards here. <laughs> um, what was what was the name of the magazine that priced baseball cards? Come on, you can, come on. You don't think I know that answer, <laughs> John Beckett? Oh, uh, is there... can't get anything by you at 5.55 <laughs> Anyway, yeah, we should have saved it for our off-season show where we do a, a definitive baseball card episode. I don't know. Yeah, I love cards. We should we should find an old Beckett's and just go through it <laughs> and just see what cards were worth at that time. That could be fun. Rick Honeycutt was worth 75 cents in September of 1989. I got to put them in my screw down case immediately if that's the case. <laughs> screw down <laughs> case. Nice reference. Yeah, these, uh, I didn't think that these cards would age, but yeah, if you, if you see some of these random corners on these, they have been weathered. They look old. Uh, and they're yellowing. I, th- I thought I was keeping them in mint condition, but I guess I wasn't because I didn't have the Rick Honeycutt in a screw down case. So I got to get him in one right you now. Got to get him in there. <laughs> got to get that. All right. Uh, thanks, Joel. Thanks, JD. Fun stuff. That's it for us today. Of course, you can catch us every Wednesday on the Athletic Baseball Show YouTube channel or on the Athletic Baseball Show where we get your pods. Uh, we started a little early today. I'm not doing that 555 thing again next week. We'll be back at uh, more of an 815 Eastern time zone or wherever Joel's time zone. What's your time zone called? I don't even know what it's called. GMT plus eight. Okay. Standard stuff. Good stuff. Taiwan time. Um, <laughs> remember, you can get the best writing in sports for only a dollar a month for the next year. Theathletic.com slash no dunks or theathletic.com slash baseball show. Check out our social media page, no underscore bunts on Instagram. For JD, for Joel, I'm Tass. We'll see you next Wednesday.